Welcome to Getting In, a college coach conversation hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. There are so many challenges involved in the college process, including choosing the right college, planning a payment strategy, creating a high school plan, and much more. The team of experts from College Coach are here to help you find some, if not all, of the answers you need. Now, here is your host, Elizabeth Heaton. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Getting In a College Coach Conversation. I am joined by my colleagues, Elizabeth Heaton and Karen Spencer, this morning. Uh, We are recording on what is actually the first day of spring here in the Northern Hemisphere, though this um, show will actually air next week. Um, But for the first day of spring, we thought we would talk about nothing related to spring, but instead what's on everybody else's mind, which is the fact that uh, at this point in time, schools are closed all over the country. Students are home. Um, I know that both of my colleagues uh, in their homes have students home with them, as do I. So we might have some people running through at some point in time. If that does happen, you know what? That's just the world now. So that's that's <laughs> the way it's going to be. Um, but we wanted to take this opportunity to talk to you all about some of the things that high school students especially can be doing, given the fact that they will not be in class for two, four, six, eight weeks, who knows how long this may be. Um, We've done a really nice job of internal brainstorming here on the College Coach team, and we wanted to share some ideas with all of you because I know that a lot of families out there are wondering how do we help keep our students on track and support them with some of the interest that they have at this point in the process. Um, Before we get into the segment, just a little housekeeping, we're recording this live on video as well. We're going to be sharing this across some of our social media platforms. So if you're listening to us on the podcast or tuning in live for the radio show and you'd like to see what we look like, I I think you should seek out those video uh, segments because we've all used this as an opportunity to actually get dressed this morning. Um, And I think that was a big ask today for the record. That's right. And we look terrific. So go find those videos. Um, we would we would love to to have a chance to see you face to face, or for you to see us anyway. Um, so first of all, I just want to start um, before we get into the segment. I want to ask you both: How are you doing? How is this going? You both have teenagers um, who are home, as do many of our listeners. Uh, so maybe I'll start with you, Karen. How how is it going? How are you doing? Um, you know, we're doing so we're so far so good. I know you and I talked about this in uh online a bit. Um I think it's so far, you know, we're four days in, actually five days. I live in northern Virginia. We were out on Friday as well, so we've already are working on day five of being at home. And I think it's so far is good. We've been doing a really good job, you know, both my husband and I obviously work. So I think, you know, as you see all those Facebook like, oh, here's our schedule for the day. I'm like, that's great if somebody's got abundant free time to look at all of you all day. I do not have yeah. that. So yeah. um, we're trying to, I'm, I'm very good on controlling what's actually in your control and not spending a lot of your time and energy on things that I don't control. So that's kind of key, number one, which has always been my philosophy, but is particularly <laughs> driven home this uh, month so far. Um, yeah. The other thing is trying to give some structure to our day. Like, so I can't do a, at 9, 10, 11 all the time, but we make a goal for the day of here's the things we are all going to accomplish today, right? You're going to take the dog for two 30 minute walks. We just adopted a new dog. Um, you know, you will go outside for an hour. You will read for an hour. And, but when some of these things, you know, for example, these get done, we have to be a little bit more flexible within our house with two working parents, but, That's and nice. it's sunny. And I will say it is mid-March with unseasonably warm weather, um, which is helping all of us out, I think. Um, Same I'm here. Particularly, 
Yeah. It, if this was late November, this would uh, you might be hearing a different tune from me right now. But. <laughs> That's yes. true. First day of spring is really nice. How about you, yeah. Beth? How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm feeling, I think, everything that Karen said. Um, but what's a little bit easier for me, Karen has three children at home, and you have two. I have one, and he is yeah. almost 16. Um, what's really great is that when he didn't have school on Friday, we both spoke about the fact that you know, it's not going to be possible to fill your days looking at your phone or being on Xbox. And he was totally on board with that. And so I had him come up with some things that he thought he could do during this downtime until we learn more from the school about what they might be doing. And I really let him put the schedule together because as I have found both as a parent and sometimes as someone working with students is if they have a say in it, it makes it much more likely that it's going to happen. Yes. So yes. what he is, yeah, you know, a couple of things he's working on, um, doing some stuff on Duolingo with French and then reading. I think reading is so important. My son is not the reader that I am. Um, I've accepted that as a fact. However, um, this is a great time to be doing more reading than maybe he normally would. And so we've identified two or three books that he's really interested in having time to read and now he's got the time. So, so that's happening. Um, and we've also injected a couple of fun things. So last couple of nights we played some chess together. We played trouble that awesome game. And so that's been fun. Um, that's great. so those are just some of the things that we're instituting that I think are making being everyone in the same house. It's making it a little bit more livable. Um, but we'll see. We're we're yeah. five days in. Right. Yeah. Talk to me again in day twenty one. <laughs> yeah, That's exactly. right. That's right. Well, I I do think and I love I'm drinking that. while we're on this radio program at two o'clock in the afternoon. Right. That <laughs> may very well happen. Yeah. Um. I I do appreciate that. You know, both of you are talking about ways that you're integrating your kids into just different kinds of household management responsibilities, which I think is a is a big part of this. Is, you know, not everybody is going to sit down and come up with an eight to three curriculum that a student is going to be able to follow. I think that if you're setting yourself up with that expectation you're very likely to fail within the first couple of days. It's just too hard to do. Uh, but I also think that students don't want to be in a position where they're looking at their phones or playing on Xbox. They're going to get bored of that really quickly. Um, and they're looking for opportunities, I think, to grow and, and explore a little bit. Um, and, you know, maybe there's some kind of silver lining in that you don't have quite a scheduled day. You're not going to school every day. There might be some opportunities to do some exploration that perhaps you haven't had a chance to look at before. So thinking especially about students who are 11th grade, 10th grade, 9th grade, what are some of the things that they might have an opportunity to do over this period in time? Uh, Karen, I think we, we talked a little bit offline about um, the role of testing, standardized testing, whether there's something that students can do in that avenue to, to get themselves in a good position. What, what are you thinking on that front? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the best ideas out there um, is for students, especially for students who haven't taken a test yet, and, you know, maybe they were meant to take the March SAT or the May SAT, both, you know, and ACT, both of which have been canceled. Um, now is a great time to take some practice tests, right? So first of all, uh, if you were, especially in your 10th and you were debating which test to take, um, in your abundant free time you now have, which I realize, you know, this does not sound super exciting, but... I think would be to take a practice test in both, right? Take a full on timed, like yeah. sit down, do the thing, you know, make that environment as similar to the real environment as you can. Take the ACT, take the SAT, and then kind of see, okay, how did you feel about it? Some students 
will do much better naturally on one over the other. Um, a lot of students will do about the same on both tests. They're still testing a similar body of knowledge, but even sometimes students who do similarly on both tests just prefer like the, the feel of one of these tests over the other, right? So um, I'm a perfect, perfect example. I much preferred the ACT over the SAT. I did much better on the ACT than I did on the SAT. Um, there are people who will feel the opposite of that, um, yeah. but that's for 10th graders, a great first start. And even for 11th graders, and maybe at that point you kind of already knew which test you wanted to take. Maybe it's not about an either or, but again, you've, again, you've got to really find the opportunities where you can here. And this is an opportunity. Listen, you can take this practice test a few times and get really familiar with the test, really familiar with where you're not doing so hot. So you can spend some time doing that. Um, yeah. So that would be one of the first things I would suggest. Definitely. I like that. Um, Beth, what about some sort of replication of curriculum? Do you think that students, especially those who haven't heard back from their schools yet, who are not being given homework assignments, homework packets, are there ways that they can continue to stay connected to the everyday expectations of the high school? I mean, that's a little tricky. I, I think one of the things that my goals with with my son was to say, what are some things that you can be doing that are things that will at least supplement what you might have been doing if you were in high school or that you might do over the summer? Um, yeah, yeah. And so the Duolingo, that goal there is, I know that next year he's going to be in the honors level of uh, French and he was going to do an immersion program this summer. That's no longer going to happen. So Duolingo is, a, is an attempt to kind of help make sure that he's in a good position when school starts, hopefully, as <laughs> planned, up again, um, yeah. either this year or next, that he's well positioned for that. Um, I, I, the reading for me is a big thing. I think it's great test prep, A. And then B, um, I know that he is uh, he's heard from his history teacher who put up a platform and said, hey, share any piece of news that you can find that doesn't relate to coronavirus, which I thought was <laughs> kind of funny. Mean? I couldn't even find a weather report. <laughs> right. I was like, it oh was, my gosh. I know Can't share we this were. podcast. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, trust my football obsessed son has plenty of articles related to stupid trades that are being made and things like that. So he's all set to put some things up there. So I'm having him check the school platform on a regular basis. Um, yeah. Like I said, with the reading, um, I would say that if, depending on what happens, we, I may bring in some tutoring with, um, for math, maybe we'll check on Khan Academy to see what's available there just for free um, to yeah. see, you know, how he can support that. So those are some of the things that I would recommend that teenagers could do. And I do think some kind of schedule, I will freely admit that we are in a pattern right now where he is getting up at 11, 12 o'clock in the morning, morning, <laughs> and going to bed last night. I said, what time did you go to bed last night? He said, oh, I don't know, but like one fifty. I said, so two is really what you're saying. He's yeah. like, yeah, but, um, you know, it's quiet around here during the day because my husband and I are both working from home and I think it's not such a big deal for him to sleep late and then be more active when we're done with our work for the day. So, but he is on a schedule. It may not be the same as a school schedule, but he's still maintaining a schedule. And I think that's another important piece. 
I don't think there's a, a good reason to stay connected to the, you know, the old rules, unless it's something that works for your family. I mean, we, we get up and we walk the route to school every morning just as a way of getting our day going. And we need to, because both my wife and I work from home as well. And we've got younger kids, so they're up before we are anyway. Um, it's also, I think, important, especially if you're a parent of, a, you know, someone who doesn't have any siblings, we set up um, a Zoom conference for Eli, uh, my five-year-old, and his kindergarten friends yesterday. And oh, they had cool. a little virtual play date for half an hour. And that was so great for him. He got to look forward to it all day. And I think, you know, encouraging high school kids to do some FaceTime with each other, some actual conversations with each other, and to, you know, potentially call other family members who are at this point also in self-isolation. It can be really nice to make that connection, to talk to, to different people. Um, I, th I think that's a big, a big thing that's missing that we're not going to recognize as missing until, you know, a few more days down the road for sure. Right. Um, wh what about some of the things, I, you know, a lot of students had planned on big extracurricular um, events, competitions, you know, you got things like robotics, speech and debate, that th these things are canceled. Um, how would you recommend, Karen, that, that students sort of think about supplementing some of the things that are, have been their hobbies or their extracurricular activities in the past? Is there a way to continue to develop that from home? Um, I think, I think it depends on what the hobby was to some degree. And I think, you know, my kids are all big athletes. And so I think what they're feeling the most, I have a 13, 11 and seven year old who play many sports. And I think they're missing that team element. And I think that yeah. can be hard. And I don't know that there's a total way around that. We know we have, and we take out my son though. And we, you know, everybody gets to pick a sport each day. So today is is baseball. We're going out, we have, we're blessed to have a big field right by our house. And so we're all playing family baseball. And, you know, <laughs> Charlie is my, my 11 year old. He's going to be practicing his pitching, which cause he's a pitcher and a catcher. So he's going to yeah. be doing that. Um, we bought him, um, you know, thank God for Amazon too. I think about people, you know, when this kind of thing happened and, you know, the Spanish flu, nobody's watching Netflix or ordering, you know, a baseball bat on Amazon. <laughs> so everybody should probably quiet down about complaining, but, um, you know, we have a, a baseball thing we bought for him so we can hit it and it can, you know, teach him how, whatever. So I think sports can be great, especially since it's spring. It's not going to be the same thing. But as, as a family, like I said, find the opportunity. We would never have had time to do this before, right? Because now, guess what? Five o'clock, I'm not carting anybody to a baseball game and trying to figure right. out how to also get my daughter to swim team practice. And so I'm trying to really embrace that part of it and say, okay, guess what? We're all going to go play you know, basketball in a family and we're five. So it's two on two. And my seven-year-old just decides to block whoever she wants to block. And, you know, so we're trying to do it that way. Um, we're still practicing cello much to my seven or my 11 year old's, um, disappointment. He was like, wait, I still have to practice cello. I'm like, huh. yes, you still have to practice your cello. Um, but there's, uh, there's like a great, um, there's 15 different operas. I know that the Met Opera is putting on. So if you're right. into that kind of thing, there are a bunch of plays. If your kid is a drama person, obviously that's not happening, but, um, talking about, um, um, there's 15 different, um, Broadway plays that they can watch online via Playbill. Um, and then Mo Willems, for example, for my seven-year-old, who was a huge elephant and piggy fan, um, is doing one o'clock. Um, he's actually the artist in residence at the Kennedy center and he is doing 1 PM sketch dailies. He gets online, he shows him your office, yeah. he shows him how he, you know, sketches elephant and piggy. And even my 13 year old actually enjoyed that. She loves to draw and she was a big elephant and piggy fan. And it, it's kind of a universally good. If you're remotely into drawing, doodling, writing, um, you know, that's 30 minutes every day that we do with Mo Willems. So, yeah, you know, my I kids think you've got to find the opportunities too. where you can.
they yeah. they love that. They thought it was really really great. Um, yeah. Beth, I wanted to. You asked specifically about summer. You mentioned summer, and mm -hmm. I wanted to know if you had some thoughts about you know some of these summer programs where you're going to uh, live on a campus, you're doing some sort of enrichment. Is there replacement for that? Are there ways to get access to coding or to do some sort of summer project, like that kind of thing from sure. home the next couple of weeks? Yeah, I mean, a couple of just one other thing that we've done here is I'm having my son keep track of everything he's doing during this whole coronavirus downtime, because some of that might end up ultimately on his activity sheet. Um, so mm -hmm. that's one thing that I do encourage families to do is keep track of what you're doing. Um, all of it might not be relevant. Some of it might not might be. In terms of the summer, I do think it's fair to assume that some of the things or many of the things even that people have planned aren't going to happen as planned. Mm -hmm. um, so I've encouraged all my students who were potentially going to be going. So I have a student who was going to work out of a lab at MIT. It may still happen, but if it doesn't, um, she and I have talked about a plan B and doing some work for a program that she has worked for for the past couple of summers, doing another project for them. It's not exactly what she wanted to do, but she could do it from her home. Yeah. Um, in my son's case, was going to do an immersion program. We may do some more intensive on the French language side. There are free, free courses on Coursera. edX. Yeah is another great place where you could look for things like that. Um, my son's really into cooking. So I purchased an online um, knife skills class for him to take. And then there are others in that series. So I think that the really important thing for everyone to keep in mind is that we are all in the same boat. So it's not like your kids yeah. are doing something not interesting and everybody else is out there doing exactly what they were gonna do. Pretty much nobody is doing what they were going to do. So that's the good news. Right. Including me. Yeah. yeah exactly. Um, me too. Yes. <laughs> one, one more thing I wanted to ask you both, and we've, we've just got a little bit of time here, but um, we are obviously admissions counselors by profession. We work with students and helping them with their college applications. How much are you thinking about students starting their college essays now? A lot. <laughs> about, yeah. As opposed to the fall. Do you think that that's something that students should really be thinking about and prioritizing? Um, is it a, if you don't have anything else to do, think about like, what would you recommend? Um, I'll take one recommendation from each of you before we, we jump off. Beth, why don't you go first? I would say that for the most part, I do think you should be working on those essays now because we don't know what's going to happen this summer. Who knows if school will be in session over the summer or something crazy like that. So probably not, but I think now is the perfect time for juniors to be getting their Common App completed and their essays written. Karen, what about you? Agreed. I think it, if nothing else, and again, you've got downtime. This is always the hard, I mean, this will be no easier come senior year, even yes. if we had been in a normal world where it's, you know, and this may be a particularly abnormal world come senior year, because maybe you'll be making up things like AP tests that you did. Who knows? Again, I try not to predict or assume I have any clue, because if you'd asked me a week ago if we'd be here, I would have said no. So here we are. Um, so I'd say yes, and I think common application for sure. The UCs have already said also that they are, I mean, their essays are what they are, so you already know what those are. So if you have any common app, you know, coalition app allows for topic of choice, even though they haven't given their new essays, and the UCs have all their essays published, if you know you're applying to a school of any of those, there's absolutely no reason for me why you wouldn't have started those. Yeah. So get going on those essays. I think that's a great idea. Um, this has been awesome. It's great to see you both. Yeah, um, nice. so even though we we do work remotely, I think you know there's something about this connection that I that is that is really nice. So um, I want to thank you both for coming on and and talking through some of this stuff. 
Yeah. Thanks for having us. Thanks, guys. Of course. Uh, when we come back for our second segment, we're actually going to be talking to a current senior who is in the midst of making decisions about where to go next fall in the midst of all of this. So you won't want to miss that segment. Thanks. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. If you're a parent of a high school student, you've probably heard a lot of scary stories about college admissions, about the growing number of applicants, the shrinking number of spots, about how even valedictorians are being turned away. For families of hopeful college students, it's impossible not to worry. But at College Coach, we take the worry out. Our advisors are former senior admissions and college finance officers from all over the country, so they can give you advice that nobody else can about what classes to take, how to prepare for standardized tests, what options are available to pay for college, and most importantly, what admissions officers are looking for when they read an application. We've got more than 15 years of experience and a track record that's helped every single student get into college, most into their top choice schools. So make the decision to come work with College Coach and start your child down the road to the decision that really matters, the one in the envelope that says yes. Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. You are listening to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. To reach Elizabeth Heaton or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Hello, folks. Welcome back. To the radio show today. Um, we've got a really wonderful second segment. Uh, it's something that's a little bit unusual, but uh, unusual is sort of the name of the game right now. Uh, there's a lot of things that are happening in our world that, that aren't totally expected. Um, but joining me today for our second segment is a current high school senior named Leah Curtis out in Idaho. Uh, Leah, I want to welcome you very much. Uh, welcome you to the show. Thanks a lot for being here. Hi, thank you. 
I appreciate and, it. Yeah, of course. So so Leah is a a senior who has already heard back from I think the majority of her schools yeah. and is making some choices about where she would like to attend college in the coming fall. Mm -hmm. I, I want to start with you and the same question that I asked in our first segment to our guests, which is just how, how are you doing? How, especially I think you're in this moment that I think you, you could be celebrating. You're really excited. You're looking forward to the next opportunities and school's closed. Everything is sort of shut down. How are you sort of managing this? How are you grappling with that reality? Yeah. So my school, I think, has been shut down for a little less time than most of the nation because it's just hit Idaho recently. But mm -hmm. um, I, I'm doing okay for the scope of things right now. It is a little nerve-wracking, especially with the college search, um, just because I had a lot of trips planned for, especially during this spring break time, to be able mm -hmm. to visit colleges because I think that's one of the most important parts of choosing which college you're going to attend the next year. Um, right. So that's a little nerve wracking, not having that opportunity and having those all canceled. Now, did you get a chance to visit some colleges back in the fall or in, earlier on in your process? Yes, uh, I did. I visited about five colleges earlier okay. in the fall. So yeah. How many of those five did you choose to apply to? I applied to all of them. I okay. actually visited, I applied early action to most of my schools that allowed it. Um, if I had visited the colleges before applying, I wouldn't have applied to a few of them. Um, mm -hmm. I was just visiting at that point to see whether I wanted to withdraw my application, basically. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Understood. So you have visited five schools. Um, mm -hmm. I think when, when we were talking last night to, in preparation for this, you said that you had applied to about 12 schools. Um, I applied to 13 schools, yeah. 13 schools in total. Mm -hmm. So you've only been to C5. Yes. Um, and can I yeah. ask how many schools you've been offered admission to at this point? Um, I have been, I haven't heard back from one of my schools. And other than that, I got into 12 of the 13. Okay, so you're in, you're in a 12 of 13. You haven't heard back from one. You have basically a perfect record so far in terms of uh, offers of admission. Congratulations, by the way. Thank I don't you. know if, if there's a, we, should, we should sort of celebrate that because that's really awesome. Um, so there are seven schools that you've gotten into that you haven't been to see. Yes. What are you doing now to try and get some of the kind of experience that you would have gotten as a visitor that you can't get given that there's all these closures now. Yeah. So, um, I think it, one good thing about not having school right now is I do have a lot of time to dive into searching about the colleges deeper and especially their educational aspects, because okay. that is in the end, what I am going to school for and yeah. the college websites. And I've, emailed the colleges and I've talked to a few people on the phone, that's where you can get the majority of information about the education that you're able to be able to find at that college. Um, in terms of making my decision further because the campus and the feel is a really big thing for me when I'm choosing a college, I have been going on some of the virtual tours that a lot of colleges are offering because um, uh -huh. that's the next best thing to seeing it in person. Right. Um, there's also a lot of YouTube videos online um, that are just college students kind of making a my day in the life at Gonzaga University type thing. Um, 
So that's nice to see an actual student's perspective that wasn't put on by the school exactly. Um, Because you get to see more of a raw feeling of what students think the school is like. Definitely. So you said that you're diving in a little bit to the educational aspects. Are are you someone that knows what you're probably going to major in when you go to school or are you still somewhat undecided? I would say I'm still pretty much undecided. I mean, I have biology as my major right now because most schools require you to just put what your intended major is. Um, But I'm really expecting that I'm going to be either changing within biology, um, what I want to do, or Mm -hmm. changing my major completely like a lot of students do. Yeah. And and so given that fact, what are some of the things that you're actually looking for? Are you going to the departmental website for biology? Are you looking more at things like the general education requirements at a particular university? Mm-hmm. How are you covering all of the possible info that could be out there about what an educational experience looks like? Yeah, so I have been looking at biology as a department, but I've also been branching off more into the just general science that a school offers the type of education that they offer in the sciences, because I am sure that I want to go into sciences. Mm-hmm. Um, however, on like a different aspect, I do look at um, the core classes that a college requires their students to take, um, because that just provides you a basis for what the school values most in their education, or yeah. even within the core classes, what options you have. Um, So I've been looking at that. I've also been looking at, say, like study abroad options Um, for me, what an honors college would offer Mm -hmm. that type of thing that would more be personal to my experience. And looking at I love what you're sort of saying about looking at those distribution requirements, those core requirements. I think that even if it's outside your major it's important to know what you're going to have to take in order to graduate and to know what some of those options look like. And I think a lot of students get so laser focused on what they think their major is that they don't often consider, well, what else am I going to have to do when Mm -hmm. I'm a student at this institution? So I know you've gotten some good advice um, from Kara, who is one of our educators. um, And uh, she's, you know, obviously terrific. Um, But that's something I think, you know, I would want our listeners to take home as well, is that if you're going to go online and look at academics, you don't want to just look at your major, but also consider yeah. some of those those group requirements as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How are you, you said that the sort of atmosphere, the fit, the feel of the institution is important, and I think that that totally makes yes. sense. How do you get that? I mean, you're you you have done some phone calls. Um, mm-hmm. You've sent some emails. You're looking at some videos. Yeah. Like, is there something you feel like you're not necessarily getting access to that you wish you had more information about? Mm-hmm. To be honest, I that's the part that I've been really struggling with because the schools that I did have the opportunity to visit, one of my favorite things was sitting in the coffee shops on campus or in the student union building and observing like how students interacted, the diversity that was there, um, that sort of thing. And I have not been able to get that at all from virtual tours because it's basically an empty campus walkthrough for the most part with stage students, which is helpful for knowing what each building is for and what the campus itself looks like. But in terms of the atmosphere and the people, that's been a lot harder for me to get just through my computer. Um, I would say that the only thing that 
has been helping a little bit is making phone calls. Um, I, earlier in the year, I used to get a lot of calls from students um, from the school being like, ask me any questions that you have. And I would kind of brush that off because I was only applying. But now that's come in really handy to actually be able to talk to a student at the school. Um, that's kind of the closest I can get right now. I think actually that's that's a great idea to have a chance to talk to students. And one thing that I think a lot of people can keep in mind is that usually students are really busy. They're in class. They've got all these obligations on campus. They're home now too. Many of them have had to fly back to their their homes where they've grown up. And so they're looking for opportunities to have these conversations. I think they're still excited to talk about their school with prospective students. Mm -hmm. So how are you getting those numbers? You know, presumably um, you didn't, you know, save the numbers of the same students who called you a few months ago. Who are yeah. you reaching out to to make that contact and and be sure that you have that opportunity to have that conversation? Mm -hmm. So usually what I will do is go to the like basic admissions page that all colleges have, and they usually have a contact us section that has an email or a phone number. Um, mm -hmm. And if you email or call and ask for a student, they usually students are usually the ones that are working there anyways. Um, so they will either give me a number or email me back a number that I can call. That's great. Um, that's the living embodiment of the advice that we give on the radio show every week when we talk about ways <laughs> to reach out to campuses. And so it's great to hear that students are doing that. Um, so let, let's get into a little bit of the detail now, Leah. Okay. Um, what mm -hmm. what are the schools that you are considering? Like, would you say that at this point that you've got a top three or a top five? Is there is it yeah. down to a few schools? Or are you looking at all twelve mm -hmm. schools? It, my choices were narrowed down a little bit when I got back my financial aid packages, so that of course. while it's disappointing in some cases, it really has helped in the long run because now I don't have a ton of schools that I'm narrowing down between. Um, so as for like specifics, I would say my top school right now is Loyola University in Chicago. Okay. Um, and then my second choice would probably be Gonzaga and that is, it's in Spokane and right. that's one of the schools that I actually haven't had the chance to visit yet. Um, and then my third choice would probably be University of Utah in Salt Lake. Gotcha. Okay. And you, have you been to Salt Lake City? Yes, I have. And have you been to U University of Utah? Is that one of the mm -hmm. ones that you saw? Okay. So, yes, and you saw Loyola Chicago, I think mm -hmm. you said as well. So you've seen two yeah. out of the, the final three. And yeah. are you, is your home pretty close to Gonzaga? I know, you know, Washington, it's in Eastern Washington, obviously. Relatively. It's, it's in driving distance. So I would consider that pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> have you thought about I, I mean, I don't even know if you could take a road trip and just drive around campus. It, it, I, maybe that's not any more valuable than a virtual tour would be, given that you're not going to get a yeah. chance to get the atmosphere anyway. Yeah. So how is it that Gonzaga is sticking around and competing with these other two schools mm -hmm. that you've had a chance to visit and experience um, on campus? Yeah, so probably the first thing is that they did give me a really good financial aid package. And then, but that's obviously not enough to keep a school around. Um, when I visited Loyola in Chicago, I liked so many things about the school and the atmosphere. And 
uh, the traditions and the values that they held there. And it is um, a school with a Jesuit background and Gonzaga has the same Jesuit background. And so um, just looking through the schools, it seems to me like they're very, very similar in not just academics, but also in values. So I guess I'm kind of putting what I saw at Loyola and hoping that it's there at Gonzaga. I think that's a fair thing to do. Like that's that's a totally reasonable approach to say, hey, I saw this aspect of this school and there's consistency in what I'm researching about this school that I haven't had a chance to visit. And that's a totally fair comparison to draw. And I, I think you can probably also draw some connections between what life in Spokane might be like compared mm-hmm. to where you live. Um, yeah. Because, you know, we're still talking about Northwest smaller towns um, mm-hmm. that are not necessarily huge, huge cities. Whereas Chicago, obviously the third yeah. largest city in the U.S. And so that's a really yeah. big difference. Those are things mm-hmm. that you can internalize and understand whether you're there yeah. to see it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you, I mean, you're not going to get a chance to visit, right? Like you're, I have yeah. any of these schools offered you um, an extension on a deadline to make a final decision? Is there any communication yes. coming from the schools about how the COVID-19 is affecting their process? Mm-hmm. I probably get about three emails every day updating me from different schools about what they're doing about gotcha. the pandemic. Um, with Gonzaga specifically, they've actually, I was signed up for a few admitted students event, student events um, when I was supposed to visit, um, mm-hmm. and they are doing those virtually. So I still get to listen to speakers, be in a sort of video chat thing where I can ask questions too. Um, which is really nice. And then the most of my colleges have actually extended their um, deadline for commitment to the school to June 1st. Okay. So you're, you still have a little bit of extra time. I, you know, yeah. it might be that it might be that extra time allows you more information, maybe not. Do you feel like at some point you're just going to have to make a choice that, you know, what, what's going to be the thing that finally you're like, okay, I've decided, I know where I'm mm-hmm. going to go. Um, yeah. Um, I think that eventually I am just going to have to make a choice right yeah. now. It's just narrowing down the the little things, um, kind of making a pros and cons list, either on paper nice. or, or in my head between uh, the different schools, like say between Loyola and Gonzaga. Um, it's easy to do that just from information that you can find online or from talking to people. Have you thought about sort of taking it from three down to two. So really thinking about, okay, what's the third choice here? Is there a clear third choice in a top two and and making it a little bit easier of a comparison to say, all right, instead of considering one, two, and three, I'm actually just looking at one or two. Yeah. I assume that it will come to that really quickly. Right now I'm in the process of emailing and talking to financial aid offices to kind of try and Mm. get some more money off of them. So when I get like when all of that is figured out, then I will probably be able to narrow it down to a final two. Yeah. The, yeah, the phrase I'm trying to get some more money off of them is yeah. by the way, totally appropriate in the context of asking colleges for more scholarship mm-hmm. money. Probably not something you want to say in any other context, but I think here exactly, is totally, exactly. it's totally appropriate. <laughs> yeah, that works. Um, got a, a couple more minutes. I, I mean, you're, you're still going to make your decision and I hope Maybe you can come back on um, sometime when you've decided and, and let us know why, what you decided and, and how you, you made that final decision. Um, I just want to ask before we, we end this segment, um, 
how are you feeling about senior year? I mean, the fact that, you know, a lot of stuff being canceled in your high school, you're not going to necessarily get a chance to finish out. Maybe there's no commencement. What What is a American senior thinking about right now as school basically closes down? And I, I don't know, where's your head on yeah. that stuff? Yeah, uh, to not sugarcoat it, I'm pretty disappointed right now. Um, even just the little things, like my prom was canceled last night. Um, oh, yeah. All the all the senior traditions, uh, stuff like that. I would say the main thing is the stress about college search, but I think right now it's all disappointment for everyone. But hope hopefully that'll pick up in a little bit when we figure out different things, different ways to cope. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And then what, how are you spending time to, to sort of keep your mind off of this stressful stuff? Mm -hmm. What are, what are some of the things that you're doing to not think about college and not thinking about the fact that prom was canceled? How do you, <laughs> how do you keep your mind right? Um, during these, these few days? Yeah. So I've, I've been FaceTiming friends a lot because nice. I'm not able to see them in person getting outside. I have organized basically everything in my room. Um, uh -huh. that's, that's pretty much it. I'm just entertaining myself so far. All right. Yeah. Well, if you've got, if you've got more need for ideas, you can of course always ask Kara, you can bring that to our team and, mm -hmm. uh, I hope we get a chance to welcome you back and learn more about yeah. the final choice you made. And, um, Good luck. Hang in there. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thanks a lot for coming on. Um, and when we come back, our next segment is going to be all about comparing different financial aid offers. So Leah, you might want to tune into that one uh, when the show <laughs> airs next week. And, you know, maybe yeah. there's a, some helpful info for you there. Mm -hmm. uh, until then, don't go away, folks. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. If you're a parent of a high school student, you've probably heard a lot of scary stories about college admissions, about the growing number of applicants, the shrinking number of spots, about how even valedictorians are being turned away. For families of hopeful college students, it's impossible not to worry. But at College Coach, we take the worry out. Our advisors are former senior admissions and college finance officers from all over the country, so they can give you advice that nobody else can about what classes to take, how to prepare for standardized tests, what options are available to pay for college, and most importantly, what admissions officers are looking for when they read an application. We've got more than 15 years of experience and a track record that's helped every single student get into college, most into their top choice schools. So make the decision to come work with College Coach and start your child down the road to the decision that really matters, the one in the envelope that says yes. Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. 
your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. are listening to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. To reach Elizabeth Heaton or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. All right, folks. Welcome back to the show. Um, We've had a COVID-19 themed show so far today. And we're going to kind of take a break from that. I think hopefully that's a welcome thing for our listeners as we turn to some questions in finance. And I'm welcoming my colleague, Beth Feinberg-Keenan onto the show. She's a college finance expert way out on the East Coast. Hey, Beth, how's it going? Great, Ian. How are you? I am doing really well, uh, hanging in there. And I I know that you are too. And what we want to do here is take some time to help some families unpack their award letters to make sense out of what these award letters look look like, right? Um, and so, let's start at the top. Um, I'm a parent, and I'm I've received an award letter for a student who's been admitted to a school. I've got a parent loan on my award, but maybe I don't have it on others. Can I take my parent loan out to cover the shortfall that might exist at other schools? Uh, Ian, uh, you can as a parent. So what I have found is when you're comparing financial aid packages, that's one difference that you might see on some packages is that some schools package a parent plus loan as part of the financial aid package and other schools don't. But if you happen to want to have your student attend another school and you don't see a plus loan on that award letter, it doesn't mean that you can't take it out. You still can apply for it uh, the same way you would if you had it on the financial aid package. Um, remember, as a parent, this is your loan, and even if it is on that financial aid package, there are many parents who don't even want to take out that loan, and we get the um, opposite question. I have a parent loan on this financial aid package. Do I have to take it out? So right. know that, number one, is if you don't have it on financial aid packages, yes, you can use that as an option to cover the shortfall that's not covered by the, you know, that's not covered by financial aid by the colleges. And vice versa, if you're like, hey, I have a plan, um, I don't need this parent loan, um, why is it even on this financial aid package, you don't have to, you don't have to take it out as a parent. Because a lot of families are like, oh, my gosh, like, they expect me to borrow this? Gotcha. So, so in some ways, the parent loan is something that is offered in general, whether a school puts it on the letter or not. It's still something parents can apply for. But there's no obligation to parents to have to take it out, even if it does appear on that award letter. Correct. Exactly. Great. Good. I always love when I get something right that my my colleagues in college (laughs) finance talk about. It's not often, but sometimes it does happen. Now, 
One of the other components in an award letter might be something like a work-study award. Um, why is it that some students are offered work-study at some schools and not others? Is there a way to go back to the college and say, hey, we'd like some work-study to appear here on this award? So work-study is a type of need-based financial assistance. So if when you, you know, file for financial aid and your expected family contribution is less than the uh, cost of attendance, then your student would have eligibility for need-based financial aid. And some of those schools might offer work-study as a source of financial assistance to help cover the shortfall. It doesn't mean all schools are going to do that because some schools might have, like, an arbitrary cutoff. Like, I worked at a school, and we said, okay, anybody who has a family contribution over $25,000, they're not their students aren't going to be awarded um, work-study as part of their financial aid package. But if you don't have work-study and you're in a position where you think you have, you know, eligibility for need-based financial assistance, you know, by all means, you know, contact the school and say, you know what, you know, I see that my family contribution is less than the cost of attendance or, you know, we still have some unmet need here. I have work-study from another school. You know, my son, my daughter really wants to work on campus. Is there the opportunity to get work study? They're going to be honest with you. Uh, they might say, no, uh, we don't have anything left. I know that when I worked at a school, we had a wait list because we typically mm. went out with, you know, all the work study that we had, but we kept a wait list knowing that all students who we offered work study weren't necessarily going to take it. So after deposits were made, we could go back to our wait list the financial aid counselors, we could go back to our wait list and start offering work-study out to students who expressed an interest and had eligibility for work-study. So it doesn't hurt gotcha. asking because the worst they're going to say is, you know, no. And, and that's partly because these campus jobs need to be filled by students, right? I mean, it's something where if those jobs aren't filled, they got to find ways to do it. Um, does, does a work-study reward, does it reduce the amount that, that a family has to pay for a school? Um, does it, how many hours can a student work? Is there a limit? What happens if they don't find a job on campus? So those are great questions, Ian. Um, if your um, work-study award is, you know, offered to you, um, it's not going to be reducing the amount of money that you have to pay to the school. So the money that your student earns from work-study is not subtracted from the bill. So parents keep that in mind. That's something still that you may have to cover. But what I looked at is work-study. I was a work-study student when I was in college. I worked for the uh, Dean of Admissions and Financial Aid, and it was really my spending money. It was the money that I didn't have to go to my mom and dad and say, can I have money to go out with my friends? Uh, I used it to mm. pay for books for the next semester. So you can have you know, conversations with your students of, like, how do you anticipate that money to be used? Are they going to help pay for travel with it? Or are they going to use it for books for the next semester? Typically, students can work on campus about 8 to 10 hours a week with the work-study allotment that they have been offered by colleges because I find that most schools, when they do offer work-study, it might be an award that maybe $1,000 a semester, maybe upwards of $1,500 a semester. But what if your student doesn't find a job? So I think the bigger question is, is are there jobs still available on campus and are those jobs that your student actually wants to do? <laughs> when I worked in the financial aid mm -hmm. office, we'd often have families call and say, you know, my son or daughter can't find a job on campus. And I'd look, you know, I'd work, talk to our work study department, and we'd be like, there are plenty of jobs available still. 
maybe have a conversation with your student to see where they're looking because maybe it's not a position or an office or department that they want to work within. So I think this is a big uh, you know, difference in terms of you know, if there's a job available or if they really can't find a job because most times in my experience, uh, students can definitely find jobs, and I haven't worked at a school and don't know of schools that typically run out of work-study jobs for students. Yeah, maybe they just don't want to do the laundry in the sports center, which, you know, that's that's a whole other conversation. But I always thought that was one of the coolest exactly. jobs on campus. <laughs> they want a job um, where they can sometimes sit and do their homework. That's right. Those are the ideal jobs, I think, in most <laughs> cases. Um, there are a couple of other questions I want to touch on um, briefly. I know you've got uh, an important call coming up in a couple of minutes, and I want to make sure that you've got time to get to that. Um, on some awards, there are scholarships, and on others, there are grants. What is the difference between a scholarship and a grant on an award letter? So those terms are you know, synonymous. It's really the free Good. gift money that doesn't have to be paid back. But I think that it's most important to understand what is, why are those offers being awarded out? Often I associate the term grants with need-based, so they're based upon the family's ability to pay. Where scholarships I often associate to merit, uh, so it could be academics, athletics, any type of attribute the school is trying to recruit. But because schools use them interchangeably, make sure that you're reading the fine print. You know, if your student was offered one of those, are there requirements that they have to meet in order to have those funds renewable? Is it tied to your family's expected family contribution from filing financial aid applications that it could change from year to year? Or is it based mm -hmm. upon your student maintains a certain GPA? I so I think uh -huh. it's most important to understand what the renewability factors are amongst those awards. Gotcha. Gotcha. I do think that that's important. Look at look at what those the fine print is on the on those letters and those awards. Um, now, one other thing I wanted to ask you, and, and you had shared this with me offline. Uh, sometimes award letters will state state that an EFC is let's say twenty five thousand dollars. That's the expected family contribution, but it looks like the family is actually being asked to pay more than that. Why would there be a difference between what the EFC is and what the expectation for pay is? Well, the expected family contribution is really just a measurement of what you can afford to pay. But in reality, all schools don't have the resources to meet 100% of a family's financial need. So when students are researching affordability and families are researching affordability for colleges, one of the things that you want to pay close attention to is percentage of need the school meets. Um, most schools can't meet 100% of need. Um, so the difference that they can't meet is called gapping. So I look at this as really this as a measurement, and it's not necessarily something that's foolproof, and families can't get married to the expected family contribution. They have to look at, um, you know, how desirable their student is. They have to consider what type of resources the school has to award out and, you know, what that incoming class looks like because there's so many underlying factors that are going to contribute to the financial aid packages that are um, awarded to each individual student. Great. I think that, that that makes a lot of sense, Beth. And I, I know you've got to go, so I, I want to thank you for coming on the show and, and helping to tell us a little bit about what this stuff looks like. I always really appreciate the expertise. Thanks, Ian. Have a wonderful day. You too. All right, folks. That brings us to the conclusion of another episode of Getting In a College Coach Conversation. Next week, we're going to have Sally Ganga back in the hosting chair, and she'll be covering a trio of really interesting topics like transferring colleges, 
determining the best program across all of your educational options, and even appealing financial aid offers. You know, Beth just talked to us a little bit about what those award letters look like. Well, we want to talk to you a little bit about how you can go back to schools and perhaps ask for a little bit more money. In the meantime, we will continue to be creating content for our blog, which you can find at blog.getintocollege.com. We'll be reaching out to you via Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and doing our best to remain as strong a resource as we possibly can during the duration of this COVID-19 crisis. It's a tricky period of self-isolation, and we want to make sure that you're not alone with your questions around college admissions and financial aid over this period. So my best advice for you in this coming weekend, reach out, give someone a call. The power of the human voice is more than we know, and there are people out there who would love to hear from you. Until then, take, take care, be safe, and remember to wash your hands. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to Getting In, a college coach conversation hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. Please join us again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.